Good morning. Yesterday uh, morning, I spent a little time with Pastor Terrence and his family, and we were just kind of, we, we, we met together at this soccer park near my house because Eden, one of Pastor Terrence's daughter, is on a soccer team. And uh, she heard that I used to coach soccer, so she asked, would you coach me a little bit of soccer? And I said, sure, you know. So went out there, brought some cones with me, and asked her to bring a soccer ball, and the whole family was there. <laughs> it was really interesting. You know, I thought it was just going to be Pastor Terrence, Eden, and I, but no, they, they set up lawn chairs, you know. <laughs> they were sitting there and cheering Eden on, and I'm like, oh, man, this better be good, you know. And uh, just showed her a few things, a few tricks, and uh, we were just having fun. She is a fast learner. I'm going to tell you right now, she's going to be amazing on the field. I got a phone call yesterday uh, from her, uh, which I missed, so I, I, I didn't know. So I called Pastor Terrence. I said, is everything okay? Did she get hurt or something? What happened, you know? And he says, oh, no, no. She had her first practice today, and she tried that juke move you taught her, and she went by this person, this, the, the defender, and scored a goal. And the whole team was like, what is happening with Eden, right? And I thought to myself, wow, that's so cool. It actually worked, right? <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. It's amazing. I, I, I can't believe that I would be able to do that. You know, teach this. She is just an amazing learner is really what it was, right? And then I started thinking about the days when I was younger and I used to coach soccer. I miss coaching soccer. And by the way... Uh, Football season is starting, and I'm not talking about American football. That too, I'm talking about European football, the original football, right? Soccer. And I'm excited about that. You know, there's something in the air when that happens. I remember when I was a little boy, I was 11 years old, my dad was just such a passionate, passionate uh, soccer um, fan. And I remember wa watching him, listening to games. And when we, I was 11 years old one time, and we were playing out in the yard. And uh, he saw that I really liked this sport. And he saw that my brothers liked this sport. And one day he sat us down because there was going to be a special on TV about a guy by the name of Pele. Let's put, on, let's put up Pele's picture up there. I don't know if you see him. This guy right here. He actually was the one that kind of made this special kick very famous. And we watched highlights. We listened to him being interviewed, and we watched highlights of, of some of his playing. And I remember watching this guy do this. I had never seen this before. And I thought, man, one day, one day I am going to be like Pele. And so I began to practice. It wasn't long before my back was really hurting <laughs> and other parts of my body. And I thought, I am doing exactly what he's doing. He's jumping, you know, and doing this thing. And I'm not going to do it for you here now just because I don't want to show off. But, you know, I, I was doing this thing and it was like, what's going on? Why? And I just kept falling back on my back, on my back, on my back. And, I, and I'm like, what is going on here? And then I watched the, the show again a, a little later, and I thought, wow, 
And I began to realize I was missing some things that he was saying. In fact, there's this famous quote by him. Let, let's put that up. Success is no accident, he says. It is what? Hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, sacrifice, and most of all, love of what you are doing and learning to do. I love that. I didn't get it then when I was 11, but I get it now. Learning, studying. I began to realize that Pelé put hours of hours of hours every week about so that he could become a better player. He loved to um, kind of buck the status quo a bit. You know, he loved that. He loved to do things. In fact, often he would get into a little bit of arguments with his coaches because he was different, because he was a little, had a little more flair, that kind of a kick they had never seen before. They didn't know how you could do that. Why would you do that? You're in the middle of a game. Play the game. And he was like, I am playing the game. And it was only until the coach finally gave him freedom to do that that he began to really shine and become, today, most people consider him the best player that ever lived. And here's what I realized. I realized that if I was going to play like the great Pelé when the spotlight was on, I would need to be able to be willing to do what Pele does when the spotlight is off. You don't just come onto the scene and say, hey, I'm great. I watched the video. I know what I'm doing now, right? You don't do that. You've got to be able to do everything that he did and practice and practice. And I remember there was one time, only one time, I was in high school, and I had practiced that over and over and over again, and I did a bicycle kick. And I actually hit the ball. Everything worked great. I didn't score a goal, so don't get happy about that. But <laughs> I was able to do it. I didn't hurt my back. I got back up, and all my friends are going, whoa, you know? And I'm like, yeah, try that one, you know? So they all tried, and of course, they couldn't be doing it because, because it took practice and practice and practice. I was never able to do it again. I've tried. Not recently, but I have tried. <laughs> and uh, it was fun. As I got older... I began to realize that that same attitude, that same preparation is needed for every game, every contest, every battle, for every worthy endeavor. You don't just show up and say, okay, I'm ready. At every single level, at every single situation, we have battles to fight. And, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes life is, is overwhelming. Is it just me, or, is, uh, or, or isn't, it, isn't it getting worse and worse? Isn't life becoming more and more overwhelming? Aren't the battles becoming more and more and more and more intense? Aren't they, or is it just me? It seems that we are battling on all sorts of front. And whatever battle you're enlisted in right now, for some, on several fronts, for some of you it's a battle at school, for some of you it's a battle of your career, or battle at work, for some of you it's a battle of a relationship, for some of you it's a battle of health, for some of you it's a spiritual battle. Whatever battle there is, I gotta tell you right now, you don't just show up and say, okay, I'm ready to fight. Here's my stones, <laughs> you know? I'm gonna throw one and hopefully hit, no. No, even David, which by the way, in a few weeks we're gonna be starting a whole series on on the life of David. But even David, when he shows up to the tent, says, hey, look, I did this, I did, I've been practicing. 
kill the bear, I kill the lion, I take care of my sheep. I've been practicing. I'm not just going to show up and that's it. What we do behind the scenes, the preparation, the planning, the praying, the strategizing, will dictate our outcome on every one of these battles. See, the reality is it's not whether or not you're going to have a battle. The reality is, are you going to be ready for that battle? So I want to help you become battle ready today. How's that sound? I'm going to talk about a story. It's found in the book of Joshua. It is a famous story, and you've heard me say this before. I want to say it again. Do not allow the familiarity of the story get in the way of learning these lessons. Fair enough? Because it's a story that you've sung about. It's a story that you've read. Some of you have watched Veggie Tales on this story. Some of you have, 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 have had the story read to you. Some of you have heard the story over and over and over again. And the temptation is to get so familiar with the story that we lose sight of its important lessons. So I'm going to ask you to make believe that you would read this story as if it was the very first time you read it. And keep in mind this thought. What we do behind the scenes, the preparation, the planning, the praying, the strategizing will dictate the outcome. And that's what this story really is telling us. It's not the wind that determines our direction, but the setting of the sail. You've heard this before, right? So, let's go to Joshua chapter 5. Before Israel was ready to uh, face the enemy... They too needed preparation. They needed this willingness to submit to God's direction so that they may also experience His power, His success, His ways. And they could win His battle. Because the battle of Jericho wasn't Joshua's battle. Whose battle was it? It was the Lord's battle. It was God who had asked them to do that. So chapter 5 says this. Let's start off with this thought. It says, Now when... All of the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all of the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted, it says. And they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So here's the first thing that we must do if we're going to get, win a battle. Are you ready? This is extremely important. The first thing we must do is we must conquer the fear of the future. Conquer the fear of the future. Some of you guys are sitting here and you are afraid of the future. Some of you guys live your lives by what if? But what if this happens? What if this happens? You must be willing to conquer the fear of the future. What God was saying here is, look, if we're following God, He's already prepared the way. He's already sent messages out. He's already caused people's hearts to melt. Don't you worry about this battle that's coming. Because I've already taken care of their hearts. I've already taken care of their resolve because they are afraid of you. You conquer that fear of the future. Conquer that fear like, what if I fail in this battle? 
Let me tell you something really important right now. This is so, so important. I, I'm, I'm developing a whole series on this because I think it's, it's so huge and so, so amazing. We are the only species on this planet that can dream. Now, I'm not talking about going to sleep and dreaming. My dog dreams. I can see it when she moves and twitches and stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of dreaming. I'm talking about the kind of dream that creates a future. You know what I'm talking about? We, we can sit there and say, you know what, I, I, I want to dream about what, what this is going to look like. I want to I dream about what I'm going to do in the next five, ten years. I want to dream about where God is taking us. I want to dream about this church and where we want to be in the next in the next 15 years. I want to dream, and I want to make that dream come true. We're the only species on this planet that can do that, that can dream about a future, create that future. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I don't think so. The Bible says that faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. See, I have a feeling that most of us have more faith because that's what faith is supposed to be, right? We have more faith about what we have than what we hope for. We have more faith about those things that we already have than the things that we want to have. And yet, we are the only species that can say, you know what, I want to have this. I heard this uh, discussion about uh, robotics and, you know, how are we... What are we going to do now that robots are kind of taking over? We have, you know, self-driving cars coming on. And we're going to, you know, what's going to happen? Are we going to get to a point where robots kind of take over the world? Well, let me just tell you something. As intelligent as a robot can be, as amazing as a computer can, can be, and it certainly can often remember things more than I can remember. That's why I put them in my, in my iPhone, right? You remember this. I can't remember this, right? Beep at me when it's time. You know what I'm saying? I get that. But no matter what, no matter how intelligent that could be, they Robots, if we ever get to that point, robots can never, ever dream of a future. They can never do that. No animal on this planet can do that, but we can. Is it possible that God has put, on this, put us on this planet to, to do something with our future that, 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 that is just unbelievable? Is it possible that God did that in us so that we would create the future? I am so sick and tired of people that say, you know, well, there's so much hurt in the planet, and there's so much going on on this planet, and God, won't you do something? And God is going, I did. I created you. You do something. Sorry, I'm getting a little intense here. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> what God was saying is, conquer the fear of the future, the path of the future is ready for you. Let it happen. The very next section, we won't get into too much, partly because I'm not sure how this affected morale, but there was a whole new generation of Israelites that had crossed the Jordan, just like a generation before them had crossed the sea. But that generation had died, and now there was a whole new generation. And so now Joshua is instructed, yes, to circumcise every soldier. Imagine being in that army, huh? You know, 
That's like a whole different level of drafting, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how they did it, to be honest with you. Talk about commitment, right? Because <laughs> these are not children. These are adults. So that circumcision thing was pretty intense, I just got to tell you right now. In fact, they had to wait till they were healed. They waited in the camp till they were healed until they could do what they had to do with Jericho. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? If you think you got to give up too much to commit, you're not giving up nothing. No, none of us. I, I'm going to make you a promise. If you volunteer for the church and you're a man, I will never ask to have you circumcised. That's, that's a deal, okay? If I do, shoot me. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I've gone off the deep end. That's commitment, right? The next thing, let me tell you right now, conquer, so conquer the fear of the future, conquer the reproach of the past. In verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So this place has been called Gilgal in this day, which means the past is gone. I have rolled, I love the language. Don't you see the imagery? I have rolled it away. It's gone, okay? You know, some of us are hanging on to things in the past that are causing us to feel like because it happened in the past, I can never win that battle in the future. That is a lie from Satan. Let me just tell you that right now. It doesn't matter even how many times you have failed in the past. You can conquer now. Are you following what I'm saying to you here? This is extremely important to understand. The past does not dictate our future. The past is the past, and if you live in the past, you're just living in regret. And you've got to get to the point where you say, God, I, I want to overcome the past. Please help me to forget the past. Help me to move forward. Help me to just say, hey, God, please roll away that reproach of Egypt when I was in bondage. Roll that away from me. Roll away all that stuff that made me want to go back to Egypt, Lord. Roll that away from me so that I can then do what you've asked me to do and I could win the battle. So you've got to conquer the fear of the future. You've got to conquer the reproach of the past. Are you with me? You got to forgive yourself, man. I, I think one of the greatest tools that Lucifer uses is guilt. There's a huge difference between guilt and sorrow. There's a huge difference between guilt and repentance. And if you want to know what that difference is, that's a whole other sermon, but just, just for your own good. If you want to know what the difference is, read the story of Judas, guilt. Read the story of Peter, repentance. Guilt will drive you to hang yourself. Repentance will drive you to become a great leader for God's glory. Are you getting what I'm saying here? How are we doing out here? We okay? 
One of these days I'm going to have you stand up and sing Father Abraham or something. I don't know what's, what, what I'm going to do. But I want to make sure you're listening. These are important points here. So, we remove the fear of the future, conquer the reproach of the past. And here's the very next one. This is really important. It actually comes right now, the very next one. Conquer the, 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 the distractions of the present. Conquer the, distract, the distractions excuse me, of the present. It says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, healing, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated, did you catch this? The Passover. They all got together and said, we're going to have worship. We heard this morning about the importance of worship. And again, we live in a world where we are so bombarded with so many things that vie for our attention. Isn't that true? Constantly, every day, the noise of the world is screaming at us. Do this. Do this. You don't have time for this. you got to hurry here. you got to do this. You gotta, and you're just kind of bombarded. And we have no time to worship. Except for maybe some of us once a week. But I want to tell you something. You want to gain victory over the next battle? Conquer the, the distractions. I can't keep saying it. For some reason, I can't say that word. The distractions of the present. And one of the ways you do that is you say, God, this is your day. I am yours. I am living. I want to live in real time today. I'm going to live in this moment right now. I want to live in real time. People ask me, well, how do you, how do you preach? How does that go? And I'm like, the, the most important thing that I do is I want to make sure that right now, for this hour that we're together, you need to know you are the most important person to me. You are the most important people to me. Nothing else matters. My phone's over there. I don't want to hear from anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. In fact, if you notice sometimes, and I know because I've sat there, kids are screaming, things are happening. I don't pay attention. Why? Because I will not be distracted. You are so important to me at this time. You are so important to God at this time that I will not allow those distractions. Does that make sense? Do not allow the distractions of the present to get in the way. Conquer the fear of the future. Conquer the reproach of the past. Conquer the distractions of the present. Does that make sense so far? I love this next one. The day after the Passover... That very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Now, it's so easy to miss the point here, but don't miss it. This is so amazing. When I realized what was happening here, I just thought, wow, how good is God? Listen, they began to eat some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Now, why is that important? Here, check this out. The manna... The manna, the stuff that kept falling on a daily basis so that the Israelites could eat for 40 years, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land there. And there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But, the, but that year, they ate of the produce of Canaan. Why? Why does God stop the manna from coming down all of a sudden. This, this crazy food that God was sending down. Why? Because what God was saying is, look, I want you to get used to. I want you to get used to eating this food. Because from this day on, this is the food. 
from this day on. Here's what I, and, and this is what it means. I want you to conquer the voices in your head that right now are screaming after 40 years of walking in the wilderness. Maybe we don't deserve this. There are some of you in this room who have battles ahead of you. And one of the reasons why you don't fight them is because you don't think that you deserve to win. I remember the first time I understood this concept of, of people that are afraid of success. I thought, what? That's crazy. Until I began to experience that in my life. There are voices in our mind that say, you don't deserve to win. And what God was saying is, no, 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 listen to me. Listen, listen, eat this food. You deserve to win. I'm telling you, you deserve to win. In fact, I want you to taste victory. I want you to taste what victory tastes like. I want you to think with the end in mind, and the end is this. You're going to be able to have this all the time. Trust me, you deserve it. Do not let those voices get in the way. Are you following what I'm saying? We get to the point where we think we don't deserve it. We have no, no need to deserve this. We must overcome the notion that we don't deserve it. We must overcome the, ocean, the notion that, that, you know, I'm just an ordinary. Who am I? Like, really, why would God do this for me? Why would I even fight this battle? I mean, I'm not, I'm not capable. I'm not, I'm not ready. I, I, why? I don't deserve this. Because every time that we buy into that lie, it robs us of our desire and, our, and the need and the reality that God has made us extraordinary. Every time we buy into the lie that we're just ordinary, it takes us away from the, the truth that God wants to give us something extraordinary in our lives. And if you think you aren't good enough, the next time you feel like God can't use you, just remember Noah was a drunk. Right? Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. How are we doing? I love that about the Bible. Moses had a stuttering problem. Rahab was a prostitute. And yet God used her. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah was afraid. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter was impulsive. Pastor Sergio can't say the word distraction. Paul was a murderer. Timothy was too young. And Lazarus was dead. Right? And yet somehow, in some way, they were able to recognize and, take, and turn off those voices that said, I don't deserve this. You deserve it. I'm going to take a moment right now. I'm going to be quiet for a second. And in your own heart, right now, I'm being very serious, please. In your own heart, thank God for making you deserving of the victory. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord, for the battles that are ahead of me. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to taste the victory. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to approach this with the end in mind. Right? See, when we do that, we get an opportunity to kind of backward engineer what our next steps are. Reverse engineer that. Think to yourself, what, 
What would success feel like a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, and taste it? What would it feel like? And let that feeling, that taste that God gives you empower you So, conquer the fear of the future, conquer the reproach of the past, conquer the distraction, the distractions, see, that's so funny, of the present, conquer the voices that scream you don't deserve it, and then the last one. Now, when Joshua was near, this is verse uh, 13, I believe, when Joshua was near, Jericho, he looked up and saw a man. I love this. He saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua was impressed. And it says that Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Whose side are you on, man? Because you look like you know what you're doing. And I'm kind of really hoping you're on my side. I'm really hoping that somehow you realize that I would love to have you. I'm, whose side are you on? There was something about this man, even though he was kind of cloaked in, in, in a certain way, he couldn't tell whose side he was on. Yet, he could tell that there was something about this man that was special. Have you ever been confused about somebody? Have you ever gone through that process? Some years ago, many, many years ago, I was, uh, I was a brand new pastor. I was learning how to do evangelism. I, I had no idea. And we had a, 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 a pastor of pastors with us. And uh, some of you may even know him or have heard his name. His, his name was Louis Torres. Oh, yeah. And Louis Torres uh, was uh, kind of in charge of the pastor, so I had invited him, because I'm a new guy, I don't know what I'm doing, to teach me how to do evangelism. And so would you come and do some of the talks? He said, sure, you know, we'll do it together. And uh, he traveled far away to come and, and, and help me do this. And I don't know him that well, but I'm like, this guy's the specialist, right? I, I'm excited about this. And one day we're driving, we're late to, to, uh, to our church. I'm about an hour away from the church where we have to do our, our evangelism. And, and we're driving, and I get a flat tire. So now we got to get the car to a tire place. We get the car to a tire place. We're going to look like we're late. We really got to get there. We're supposed to be there like a half hour before. So please, can you just change this tire? Whatever it costs, I'll take care of it. You know, Louie was with me, and we're all like, yeah, okay. You know, and they're like, sure, let's see. Let's look at it. 45 minutes go by. And I'm like, hey, hey, people, what's going on here? Oh, you know what? I think you're going to have to get all four tires. No, no, I just want this tire. I'll come back. I just need this tire now. Please, we're going to be really late. Oh, okay, let's see what we can do. Another half hour goes by. By this time, I've got elders calling me up going, hey, what's going on? I don't know. Sorry, we got a flat tire. I'm like, I don't, what is happening with this place, you know? And so I'm like, what's going on? They said, sorry, sorry, we'll be, we'll be right with you. And then all of a sudden, uh, a little, about 10 minutes later, they come out and they go, okay, let's, we, we were able to change your tire, come pay. Okay. So we go up to the counter and 
I went to put my hand in my pocket, and all of a sudden, we noticed two policemen in plain clothes with their guns drawn coming at us. Don't move. Keep your hands where we can see them. I'm like, what is going on over here? You know, now, now I got my hands up in the air, and I'm like trembling. I'm, I'm trembling because I wasn't always a believer, you know, and I always used to fear these moments, right? I'm like, oh, no, what have they discovered? What, what did I leave behind? What did I do? What's going on here? No, you know, and they're like, okay, come on. Now slowly take out your identification. So I take out my wallet, and I take out my identification, and, and Elder Taurus is going like this. I'm going, what's going on? Because I don't have my wallet with me. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> like, why, why are we being arrested here? You know what I mean? Like, what is happening? I'm thinking, whose side are you on? You know what I'm talking about? Are you like, are you on my side? Or like, what's going on here, you know? So I'm saying, look, look, I'm a pastor. And, you know, I finally explain everything. Louis Torres explains that, that he's a pastor too. And I tell him, look, I'm vouching for him at this point. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's my pastor, you know? And they finally said, I'm sorry, they said. We, 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 we didn't realize. They said, uh, you look like two people that came in here last week and robbed this place. And I looked there at Louie, go, what are, you, what are you doing? What's going on here? Because <laughs> I know it wasn't me, right? I mean, the whole time, driving, the, for weeks, to be honest with you, as we're doing this evangelistic series, I'm thinking, who is this guy? Is he on our side or not, you know? What's going on here? Have you ever had those moments? This is that moment. Now, what I love about this moment that's so cool is this guy Obviously, you could just tell there's something about this individual that is just brilliant. You know what I mean by brilliant? Like you could tell this guy's, there's something about him. And so Joshua's like, I, I, I hope you're on my side, you know. How many of you got to see the eclipse on Monday? <laughs> yeah. How many, of you got, how many of you went somewhere far to see the full eclipse? All right, there's a couple of you guys that are like really gung-ho. Uh, I kind of wish I did, you know. I was able to get glasses at the very last moment. Thank you, Keeney. And uh, got some glasses, dropped some off to Jesse. You know, he didn't have any either. Went and meet my wife. And we were like so excited because we were going to have 97.1% eclipse. Who said that? Yeah, apparently you knew. I didn't know. So we're out there. We're thinking, oh, man, we read all this stuff. You know, it's going to get really, really dark. And it's going to get like, you know, the birds are going to start quieting down. And, you know, I'm telling Nancy, oh, man, guess what I read? You know, cricket starts chirping. You know, I mean, it's really intense, you know. And, and she's like, okay, great. You know, so we're out there. And, and once in a while we would take off the, because with those glasses on, everything is black. How many of you had the glasses? You know what I'm talking about? Everything is black. So it's like, wow, okay. I hope this is not what they mean, you know. So, Because so, anybody, that could happen any time then, right? So then I, once in a while, we'd take off the glasses and we would see it. And it got darker. But not that dark. I remember texting Jesse afterwards and going, yeah, that was pretty kind of, was kind of cool, but a little disappointing. And Jesse texts me this. He says, isn't it amazing how much 3.9% of light can shine. 
I am convinced that this person, this being that Joshua saw was, was, was clothed in, 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 in humanity, that he looked like a human, that he, but there was something about him that couldn't help but shine through that Joshua saw. Even with the sun, I mean, it was almost as if Joshua had to take on these glasses and say, okay, hold on, hold on, why, why are you so bright? I hope you're on my side. Are you on my side or you are not? And listen to what he says. I love this. I love this. So it says, are you for us or for our enemies? And the person, this being, this individual says, neither. That's not the answer I was looking for. I'm an Israelite. Please tell me you're on my side. I didn't know that the other side had brilliant beings. Neither. And then the individual says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? What the individual was saying is, I'm not here to take sides. This is not about sides. See, this is a problem that we all have. See, we all want to be on the side, the right side, the winning side. But there's only one side, and that's God's side. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying here? Amen. Ours is not to claim that God is on our side. Oh, yeah, we have God. But rather to acknowledge God's claim on us, his sovereignty on us. Did you catch what I'm saying? We are not, a, he, he is not on our side. We should be on God's side. Are you following what I'm saying here? Too many of us say, look, God's on our side. We're the winning team. Stay with us. We don't marshal God on our side to support our agendas, to support our views. We submit ourselves. We align ourselves with the God and his agendas and his ways and his truths. And we got to stop this, like, whose side are you on, God? Are you on my side or are you not? You know, we got to stop this concept of thinking that, that, that God is on our side. God's not on our side. We are on God's side. Are you following what I'm saying? And there's no better place to be. I want to tell you that right now. There's a great story about the great basketball player, uh, uh, Larry Bird. How many of you have heard of Larry Bird? He used to play for the Boston Celtics. And then they were actually playing Seattle this one time. And they were, they were, uh, they were uh, tied, and they were in overtime. There was only like five seconds left. And the coach calls a timeout. Coach Jones calls a timeout. Coach Jones calls a timeout. And he says, all right, come over here. He says, all right, this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to give the ball uh, to, to Kevin. And Kevin, I want you to take the ball, and I want you to get it to Dennis. And Dennis, you can finish. And before he can finish, Larry says, hold, hold, hold. No, no, listen to me. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to give me the ball, and everybody get out of the way. I will shoot this, and I'll put it in. And the coach says, hey, I'm the coach, okay? Time is running out. Listen to what I've got to say here. All right, as I was saying, Kevin, get the ball to Dennis. Dennis, get the ball to Larry, and everybody else get out of the way. <laughs> what was he saying? He's like, this is the best player. This is the go-to guy. This is the guy we ought to be listening to. This is the guy we ought to be. And sure enough, he made the shot, and they won. What's my point? My point is that God is our best player. 
God is the one who can give us the victory. And so, as you remove and conquer the fear of the future, as you conquer the reproach of the past, as you conquer the distractions of the present, as you conquer the voices that scream, you don't deserve it, you must conquer yourself. Remove yourself from the captain's seat and let God be the captain. I am here, he says, to captain the army. I am here. I'm the one that's in charge. You are not alone, by the way, when you go into battle, is what he was saying to Jericho. You're not alone. How many of you remember the story of Elisha when he's surrounded because they're going to arrest him and, the, and, the, and his servant goes out? Remember that story? And if you don't, it's a great story to read in the Bible. Wonderful story. Somewhere in Kings, I think. And the servant comes out and he says, oh man, we are surrounded. And Elisha says these words, those who are with us are way more than those who are against us. And then he says, come outside. And they go outside. And Elisha prays a slight prayer. He says, open the eyes of my servant. And, and the servant's eyes are open. And all of a sudden, he sees the army that's surrounding them, surrounded by an army of angels. How cool is that? See, we forget that, the, that the, whatever battles we're in, the ultimate battle, God's in charge. God's got people on our side. God's got people that, 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 he's got beings ready to fight for us. God's got ways that we could never, ever imagine. But God was, do you remember, remember when, when, when Jesus was being arrested and, and Peter was like taking out the sword and, and Jesus says to him, stop. Don't you know that if I, call a, if I call upon God, he can send me a legion of angels to protect me. I mean, there is another world out there we're so unaware of. And I want you to know, I believe in it. I've seen it. It's, I've experienced it. I've experienced angels in my life. I didn't know about it till later. I was like, oh, wow. But God is saying to you today, you're not alone. You're not alone. So, as you think about these things, think about that story, and think about what Jericho, what happened to Jericho. Because this is the famous story of these guys who God said, okay, here is the military strategy. Take some trumpets, find some trumpeteers, get the ark, and march around the city of Jericho. That's all I want you to do. Seven times. And then the seventh time, you shout. Now what would you do at that point? What would you do at that moment? Well, that's exactly what Joshua did. He was convinced. He was totally convinced. And he begins to, to march can you imagine being one of the seven? You know, it's, it's our worship team. Worship team, <laughs> you guys go ahead ahead of us. We, we're behind you. <laughs> we're, we're helping you out, man. We're good. We're good. You, you go. Trumpets, guitars, you know. Alex, get the drum. I don't care. Just, you know. March around. Seven times. See, because it doesn't matter. 
See, I think God did that on purpose. I want this to be so absurd that you know it's God. Does that make sense? I want this victory to be so absurd that you know God was the one who gave you the victory. So as you confront battles in your life, I want you to think about the God who is there making sure that you will win. Think about those five things, the future, the past, the present, the voices. Take, get off the seat and let God command and everything else will change. Amen?